Hey, what up? My name is Ajlene and I never learned how to fucking clean. What up? No. Hi, this is uh, called the Feminist Critique. I'm Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And this Sometimes. is a podcast. This is a podcast where the two of us take a movie and put it to both feminist and inclusive tests. <laughs> and then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? I can't believe you opened with that. We were just fucking around before recording and you really opened with that shit. I did. I did. She was testing her mic and going, what up? My name's Ash and Lean. And so I did a stupid white girl rap and then she opened with the white girl rap. I hate it. Oh, God. I mean, I love it, but also, wow. Um, <laughs> anyway... Welcome, everybody, to the Amazing Feminist Critique Podcast, uh, and welcome to wow, Indigenous Month. Freaking tooting yeah. your own horn here, sure. Sure fucking am. Listen, uh, <laughs> we are doing Indigenous films this month, which every movie is going to be focusing on First Nations people. Um, this one is about Indigenous people here in the United States, but I do know that one of the movies we're going to watch is going to focus on Maori culture, and I think one of them is also Canadian. Maybe two of them are Canadian. Yeah, I think... Uh, well, this one is technically... This one's Canadian and American. Uh, it was filmed in Canada, but it's <clears throat> based... Uh, like, it's based in Idaho. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. But like, we're really looking forward to, forward to it, especially considering all of the stuff that has been happening recently in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, uh, the narrative around Indigenous Peoples Day, what other people call Columbus Day. We, we decided, you know, this is definitely a part of the film industry that there isn't enough of. Mm -hmm. Like, most of the time when you see Indigenous people in films, they are very stereotypical. They are often not played by Indigenous people. Um, and so we decided that if we were going to, you know, do films based on Indigenous people, we would have to, like, go to the source, you know? So, this movie that we're doing today is called Smoke Signals, which is a drama comedy. Um, it came out in 1998. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 83% critical and 82% audience. <clears throat> it was directed by Chris Eyre, uh, who has also directed The Edge of America, Skins, and uh, most recently, Memories of Miss O'Keefe, which is a short. Um... It was written by Sherman Alexie based on uh, their book, and uh, they also wrote the screenplay. The screenplay. I can't talk. Yeah. Uh, they have also been a writer for The Business of Fancy Dancing and uh, Jimmy P. So. <clears throat> yeah. The stars of this movie are Adam Beach. Adam Beach uh, has had a pretty prolonged career. He has been in Wind Talkers, uh, Suicide Squad, he plays Slipknot, so there's that. And um, I recognized him from a movie we ended up not doing earlier this year. <laughs> Joe Dirt. Oh my god. He plays Wing. He is in that movie, isn't he? Yeah, he plays Victor in Smoke Signals. But, like, he's still, he's still making movies. Like, he is. Uh, most recently, um, 
It's this one called uh, Monkey Beach, and then there's one that's in post production called The Power of the Dog. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's uh, he was also in Joe Dirt too. Oh my god! Okay, yikes. Uh, then we have Evan Adams, um, who is from British Columbia. Yes. Powell River, British Columbia. And he was in several movies. Uh, recently, he was in Hey Cousin, which is a TV movie. He was in a movie called Indian Road Trip. Uh, he was in a movie called Indian Horse. Uh, he was in Hell on Wheels. He has also been very, very active as an actor. Maybe not mainstream, but definitely still acting. Irene Bedard plays Susie Song. Irene Bedard, uh, best known as the voice of Pocahontas in the Disney Pocahontas movie. She's also been in Westworld, and uh, she's got a lot of stuff coming up. She was also in a TV show called The Stand, so she's still doing well. Um, Tantu Cardinal is in this movie as Arlene. Uh, I believe Tantu was in... um, Outlander. She was, yes. Yes. She's uh, she's, she's also... still acting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was also in... Uh, she's been in Mohawk Girls. She's been in Frontiers. Uh, Gary Farmer plays Arnold Joseph. Gary Farmer has been in things like Dead Man, Powell Highway. Uh, he is also still working. Um, he's set to be in a movie called Blood Brothers. He was in Resident Alien, which was a TV show. <clears throat> and then the last person I want to mention is Michelle St. John, who we have talked about before on this podcast. She plays Velma in the movie. Michelle St. John best known for being Nakoma in Pocahontas and Comey in Where the Spirit Lives, which is uh, a movie that we have talked about here on the pod. And she was also in the business of fancy dancing. So Yeah, um, but, but she's uh, now mostly kind of in a more director role. Like, I believe she mm-hmm. did um, she did a series uh, called uh, Colonization uh, Road, I think, as like either a producer or I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. Um, she was uh, it was a documentary, um, but she's been a producer for that. And then she's also uh, been a producer for some uh, Canadian Heritage Minutes, <clears throat> including the one about Chani Wenjack. Um, mm-hmm. So there's uh, she, she's still doing stuff, you know, just in a different different way yeah yeah so awesome now let's talk about this movie okay so it has been over a week since i watched it so bear with me but i will say that it it opens up very in a very uh weird way Mm -hmm. it starts with like a house fire and the scene where gary farmer's character arnold is um like rescuing a baby that's being flung out of a window. Um, it turns out that nobody knows how this fire started, but it ended up killing uh, Thomas Thomas's parents. Yeah, and so Thomas is taken in by his grandmother, uh, and he becomes best friends with his cousin Victor. Yeah, so and it, they grow up together. So the thing too is this is um, the actual uh, like fire happen. Uh, during the um, bicentennial, right? So, mm-hmm. like, 22 years before um, when they were just, like, babies, essentially, right? 
mm-hmm. and um and it, it even like it has like the guy on the radio who's like talking and then there's uh, one part where um, he's like, yeah, now we're going to uh, the, the traffic guy who's, you know, out on the broken uh, radio van. Right. And he's like, yeah, truck just went by. Um, and it's kind of in the same sort of vein where, you know, many years later, that truck is still broken there and Buddy is still there telling the traffic. Which there is none. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's what it's like in rural, like, rural places. Like, there is no traffic. Yeah. And then you, like, because I had to do traffic reports for, like, northern Alberta. And, like, that's essentially mm-hmm. what it is. It was like, well, they're doing some fire stuff up there. So there might be a little bit of smoke. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Um. So, yeah, like, uh... This movie is told in a non-linear fashion. You have two dual storylines going on at the same time. The first storyline is Victor's father passes away. And so he and Thomas go to get his father's ashes. That's the first storyline. And the second storyline is basically filling in the gaps of his memories. um, Where Thomas and Victor are kind of reminiscing on their childhoods together. And so... What's garnered from all of these, like, past things um, is Victor's father, uh, after the fire, was very drunk, very abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, He hit his mother. He hit him. uh, He he, he did some bad stuff, you know? Um, Like, there was one scene where they're riding in the truck together and Victor's uh, a little kid. And he starts crying and his father like literally hits the fuck out of his face and tells him to man up essentially. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. Um, so what ends up happening is Victor's parents end up, uh, separating, getting a divorce essentially. Um, Thomas is very coddled by his grandmother. Uh, very, he's very intelligent, but he also has a, uh, like, a predisposition to lie, I guess. He's well. He's he, uh, um like his. He's a storyteller. Like he, he is. tells and he tells stories. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's very good at it. Um, and he embellishes them a little bit to make yeah. them more, you know, enjoyable to listen mm-hmm. to. Um, but that's kind of the thing. I think too there is um. There is kind of a little bit of an allegory here uh, when it comes to, like, indigenous culture, right? Where, like, you go Mm -hmm. on a journey of, like, self-discovery. And, I like, that's essentially what this movie is about. It's, like, a modern retelling of, like, a journey for Mm -hmm. self-discovery when it comes to, like, Victor's character. But he also has a friend that goes along... Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's actually Universal Discord that kind of mentioned this where I kind of clued in uh, last week when they were talking about like the different roles of like going on the the canoe. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas's character is essentially like the storyteller, the one that, you know, keeps us entertained while we're going along on this story, like this journey. Mm -hmm. I got it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and Victor, Victor is a very complex character. He is, he's very, uh, very stubborn. 
very obstinate. He he doesn't like to show emotional vulnerability. Um, and he bullies Thomas. Like, mm-hmm. he absolutely bullies Thomas. And Thomas just kind of goes with it, I guess. And Thomas, Thomas is, okay, let's be real. If, if you guys ever went to high school, you either were the nerdy friend or you knew who the nerdy friend was. So yeah, everybody, everybody has that nerdy friend where like, you know the one, because I'm this friend. Were you the nerdy we're, fr- Yeah, I was about to say that. Like, you were the nerdy <laughs> friend. and I was the one that... Ashleen has done it to me, and I love her to pieces, but, like, you get so into something, and you're explaining why you're so into it, and then your other friends are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and they don't care at all. I mean, I related I, to Thomas on that so hard. <laughs> but I've also been there too, where like, especially if I start talking about anime or whatever, right? And I get right into it, and I'm like, rah, 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 rah. and you're just like, uh huh, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, get into it, crazy. Become an anime nerd, shit. <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, we can both relate to Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> because Thomas is the type that like he he is the storyteller and so he tells you these things and sometimes you're kind of just like get to the point already <laughs> and Victor's so mean to him but like Thomas comes back yo like after Victor's dad leaves you know Thomas says like huh, well maybe that's why your dad left and then Victor's like yeah well your parents are dead and I was just like Jesus these kids are evil to each other like that really is rude like mean it was it was awful dude's like well maybe that's why your dad left because you're such a disappointment it's like yeah well at least my dad's alive yours are dead and I was like Jesus fuck dude but like that's their relationship with each other but they still are friends kind of um, I think that they were friends, like, kind of growing up, but, like, they kind of had, like, a because it is, like, almost a parallel story, right? Where, mm-hmm. um, like, they were both affected by this fire where, mm-hmm. like, one lost his parents and, you know, grew up never knowing them, where the other one did grow up knowing his parents, but because his... Um, his father's the one who like started the fire that led his father down this road of alcoholism, which was the domestic uh, violence and then uh, ultimately the child abandonment. So here's this one instant that changed their worlds forever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, yeah, so I get it. I get it. Um, so, yeah, that's basically, like, the childhood stuff, right? His dad is a drunk um, who abuses his family and then leaves. Uh, and then, like, he grows up without his dad. Um, and then cut to present day. So he gets a phone call saying that his father has passed away in Arizona. So mm-hmm. he's going to go to take a bus and go down to Arizona. And he doesn't really have the money for it. And so Thomas is like, yeah, I'll give you the money but you have to take me with you. And at first, Victor's like, nah, fuck that. I don't want to go get my dad's ashes. Fuck that shit. And then he's, he thinks about it a little longer. He talks with his mom. And then he decides, you know, for the purpose of closure to go down. So he and Thomas go together. And <laughs> they get on the bus. And they're sitting there just driving along. And Thomas is, like, talking to 
this woman who's like stretching like some white lady. Oh yeah, and she's like she's like fully in like gymnastic gear despite the fact that like, you know, things uh she's not like old old but like she's you know in her mid-30s yeah mid-30s right and he's like wow like you're really you know flexible and she's like yeah i was in um i almost made it onto the u.s olympic team like almost almost. right yeah uh but then um jimmy carter stole that you know away right and then victor is like but you weren't ever on the team you almost made it so and she's like, yeah, but I was a shoo-in, like, you know, in case, like, somebody got hurt. He's like, but you still weren't on the team. And then she's like, she gets mad, and she, like, walks away, and um, Thomas is like, wow, she was nice. Like, why did you... And, 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 I mean, Victor has a point here. Like, you weren't on the team, lady. But the, but the, I think it kind of shows that there's, like, these people who were close enough to like you know this proud moment but never got that and they just kind of dwell on that for the rest of their lives Gracie <laughs> hold on a- Andrew what did you need oh well I can do it afterwards I'm busy I literally is gonna it's gonna take me like another 20 minutes do you mind can it wait 20 minutes you see me on the podcast and you want to, like, I need you to do something for me. It can wait. Shut my door, please. Sorry. It's okay. Could you repeat that? Mm. Um, okay, so the point of her character is that she dwells on the past as somebody mm-hmm. who, like, almost got to greatness. And there are people out there, like, where, you know, they were, like, second best in something or whatever. Like, they peaked in high school or... or right. And, and they dwell on, like, this, you know, moment of time and, like, talking about this past, despite the fact that, like, now they're just, like, it's been 20 years later and th- they're nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're just, they're still dwelling on this moment and and I think that's like a learning lesson for um for Victor in this movie to be like hey maybe don't dwell on the past yeah um (laughs) and (laughs) and Thomas is like so put off by the way Victor was acting and then Victor's like listen you gotta quote unquote like man up here like, you can't just believe people because they say something. Like, she's a liar, Thomas. And Thomas is like, but what if she wasn't lying? And it's like, but she was. And then, you know, you 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 don't look like an actual Indian is the way he framed it. He's mm. like, you know, like, you need to, you know, loosen your hair up and you know, look look very stern to scare the white people off. <laughs> you know? It, well, because, like, was... before that, too, they also, like, uh, they got a drive to the bus station by those uh, two girls, which mm-hmm. one is played by Michelle St. Uh, St. John, right? And mm-hmm. there's, like, one part where the two of them are like, well, do you have your passport? And they're like, but we live in America, and... And then they're like, yeah, but you're leaving the res, like the res, you know, like that's a whole different country out there. Yeah. Also, they do this weird thing where they drive backwards and there's there's no 
explanation for it. I have just a feeling that, like, maybe it's because their car just broke, and, like, that's just the car for the rest of their lives. It can only drive in reverse. <laughs> like, it broke, it can't go forward, it can only park and go in reverse. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Also, like, it, it's pretty stark in how it recognizes the poverty that does exist on uh, indigenous reservations. Like, indigenous reservations are not rich places. No. They really aren't. And it's because it's because federal governments just basically rob them blind of any ability to make wealth. Yeah. It's fucking terrible. Like, we really should do more like federal funding for indigenous people but america do something about people in need <laughs> people of color especially in need. <laughs> i was going to say especially when they're not white <laughs> i mean we're having a real and, and like uh, i've talked about this before like right now what's going on well the of the time we're recording this which is october 18th like we are seeing the ongoing genocide of the indigenous people in Canada uh, happening right in Nova Scotia where they are, um, where like white fishermen are not respecting treaty uh, rights when it comes to indigenous people uh, doing a modern, like uh, moderate livelihood and fishing mm-hmm. for lobsters before the lobster season starts. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> The more things change, the more they stay the same, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, like, when they stop at the bus stop and then Thomas gets back on the bus after he's gotten out of his, like, traditional outfit and his braids, I was like, damn, it really was, like, the equivalent of Clark Kent taking off his glasses. <laughs> like, he did look good. You, okay, so you remember that movie, uh, what was it? She's All it That? Had, yeah, she's all that, where she takes off her glasses and takes her hair out of a ponytail and she looks better. And I was just, like, thinking, it's 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 the exact same. Like, all he did was put on a t-shirt, take off his braid, take out his braids, and take off his glasses. Yep. And he looked so much better just doing that. <laughs> I think, though, no, too, because he does end up going back to that anyways, mm-hmm. though. Um, Because especially for indigenous uh, people, braids are pretty important. Um, Like it is, uh, I don't know the full um, like allegory behind it. So I'm not going to, you know, try to like. White splain. Yeah, white splain it. But it it is, um, for example, there was a gentleman in Calgary whose old home had been bought by the government and then they put a highway on it and they were opening up the highway and he went to that like you know opening part and said this is like where my this is my family's home but now where we have this like stupid parkway or whatever right and then he mm-hmm. cut off his braids which is yeah. like a big fucking deal which even in the film right victor um like talks about how after his father's brother uh, passed away, after Thomas's parents passed away, his dad cut all of his hair off as a sign of grief. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then later on in the movie, uh, Victor ends up cutting off his own hair. Yeah. As a sign of grief. So, 
So obviously long hair is very, very important, at least in this uh, indigenous culture that is being represented in the film. Because um, I, I don't think that's true for every indigenous culture uh, as far as like the colonized Western world. But <laughs> at least here uh, in the plains, ver- the plains part of the United States, that's yeah. very important. In Idaho, um, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing I want to kind of mention too is uh, they put him in a wig afterwards and that oh, wig was God. not good. Y'all, I have a wig right now that I plan on wearing for Halloween, and I don't even think I'm going to wear it because it looks that fucking trashy. (laughs) Oh, really? It's really bad. I bought it thinking, oh, this is cute. It's pink and purple, but it's really, really cheap, and I can't get the threads of the hair to stay down Uh and, like, look cute. It just looks a mess. But, like, that's what his looked like. It was a really bad wig. Yeah. It was really bad. It was really bad. Um, so, uh, so they do end up getting um, down to uh, where was it? Albuquerque, I think. Yeah. Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona, right? Because yeah, that's Phoenix. where his uh, father died, and um, the person who had contacted him was uh, a friend of his father's named Susie Song, who um, like lived. Uh, lived in the same area, right? Or like the... the yeah. Okay, what yeah. the fuck, dog? Do you hear her? <clears throat> no. <sighs> um. So yeah, we meet Susie. Susie, uh, it's implied at first that she was Victor's dad's girlfriend, but it wasn't like that at all. She saw him more as a father figure. So, yeah, Susie's character is kind of interesting in that, like, she sees Victor, like, of course, has this horrible relationship with his father because he was abused and abandoned by him. Whereas Susie sees Victor's father as a father figure for herself and she adores him and thinks he's a good man and he does all of these things. And so Victor is having to reconcile the fact that his father wasn't a good father to him, but was a good father to this surrogate daughter of his you know it's it was interesting it was very interesting and it had me wondering if maybe the reason victor's father had such an issue about being on the res was his own guilt and the only person he had told was Susie, right yeah so maybe that was why he was able to foster a better relationship with her because she was the only one that knew the truth and she didn't judge him for it whereas he knew everyone else would judge him for it. But at the same time, like, this movie ends essentially with Victor coming to terms with who his father was and forgiving him. Well, there's also the other issue, like, um, this character, or, like, the father, right, Um, Arnold, uh, being seen through the eyes of other people as well, because uh, we also get a story of... Uh, from Thomas's point of view mm-hmm. of him having gone all the way out to um, Spokane, which is uh, relatively close to uh, this reservation. Like it's uh, mm-hmm. it's about like a day walk, like about mm-hmm. 12 hours. So he walked all the way there from the reservation and was on this bridge and then just kind of like chilling by the water. And it was, um, Victor's father Arnold who found him and was like hey how the hell did you get all the way over here and then he ended up uh, being taken to Denny's 
And um, Victor has, like, a lot of jealousy about that because his mm-hmm. father was not like that with him. So Victor's having to reconcile the fact that his father, who treated him like absolute shit, was so nice to all these other people. And yet the man still forgives his father for all the bullshit. Yeah. I don't think I could have. I, I, I don't think I could have. No. Like, it was a very complicated relationship, sure. But the idea that Arnold did treat his son and his wife like fucking garbage as compared to how he treated um thomas and Susie, which thomas i think he felt he had an obligation because he was responsible for the the death of thomas's parents yeah but at the same time to to treat your own family like that while treating your surrogate family with a lot more respect like it's hard for me to reconcile liking him as a person yeah. But I did appreciate the complicatedness of his character. Like it was it was a well-written character. Um but like I I, I Vic- don't think I don't think though that it, it is about forgiveness. Like no? I think it's just no, I think it is like I think it's Victor's story of coming to terms with the fa- with like his conflicted you know feelings about his father and that how that you know has put like an imprint on his own identity as a person because mm-hmm. uh the thing is like victor is 22 years old who has never left the reservation because and he's almost stagnant in his life like he doesn't even want to go on this road trip really like he does for closure right or to get yeah. like his father's ashes but the, there really isn't like a moment where uh, at the end, you know, that like everything's tied up like a pretty bow. Like th- that doesn't happen because the reality of the situation is that this is something that he has uh, dealt with um, mm-hmm. and will for the rest of his life. But I think this is him um, not forgiving his father, but realizing that like his, what his father did shouldn't have an impact on his own life and he can kind of move forward as his own person okay yeah i can see that that's fair yeah that's fair um and this movie's pretty short like it was only an hour and a half long yeah um like not even an hour and a half long um uh and uh, not really too much happens plot wise like I think we've pretty much gone through all of it. Now, my takeaway from from this was, uh, I think, the transitions. Like, uh, from a technical standpoint, not just, like, talking about the the film story, but from a technical standpoint. um, Ageline and I both agreed that the way they transitioned from past to present with the way they panned the camera, fantastic. Oh, yeah. it was a neat trick. <laughs> like, it's pretty basic, but it was still a really good, like, use of the tactic. Like, you would you would see a camera pan using essentially the same backdrop, and then it would pan from the past to the present. Or yeah. from the present to the past. While using the same motion. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Really good. Very much liked that technical aspect of it. Yeah. So. I, I really liked that as well. Um, I think too though, like uh, with these two characters, like Victor and uh, and Thomas, I think they uh, end up like understanding themselves, like each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
because um, it kind of it ends at that falls right where he ends up uh, pouring the his father's ashes into like into the water mm-hmm yeah and then you hear Thomas's narration talking about uh, how we reconcile ourselves with the sins of our fathers essentially yeah so um, and how like forgiveness plays a role in that. Um, but again, I would not have, <laughs> I would not have forgiven my father <laughs> for this. No. And, and that's the thing. This movie, like, it doesn't have complicated, it was definitely, like, made for a Western, like, or, or like, you know, a white audience in a way, but also, because it does play a little bit into those stereotypes, which, mm-hmm. but, um, I think it, the, the, the thing about this movie, too, is that it had an all um, indigenous production producers, like director, screenwriter, Mm -hmm. uh, actors, and technicians. Like, it was all uh, indigenous, which the fact that this is the first one ever, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like when we talked about Daughters of the Dust earlier this year. Yeah. You know, 1992, first uh, film that was predominantly produced by black women, and directed by a black woman. Same yeah. energy. That movie came out in 91. Yeah. This one came out in 98. Yeah. Yo. Um, The other thing <laughs> I wanted to... Oh, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> fucking bullshit, honestly. Uh, the other thing I wanted to make a quick mention is the fact that this movie uh, is in the National Film Registry uh, for being mm-hmm. culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh... So, there isn't too much uh, trivia. Uh, we pretty much mentioned it. I will say one of the funnier things was, like, the song All My Re- All My Relations that was performed by Ulale, Ulali at the end of the film using the traditional Irish tune, Gary Owen. Uh, the tune was a favorite of acting general George Armstrong Custer during the Civil War and became the official heir of the U.S. 7th Cavalry Regiment in 1867. According to legend, it was the last tune played before the Battle of Little Bighorn where Custer and his entire regiment were killed. Justifiably. Yeah. I added that last word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Custer. Fuck Custer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like that's the movie. Now, uh, let's go through those tests. So Bechdel test. Do you have two named female characters on screen alone talking about other, someone other than a man? No, does not pass. Uh, racial Bechdel test. Do you have two people who are black, indigenous, or other people of color in the film talking about something other than a white person? Several times. It's a pass. Um... Macklemore test, do you have a female character whose story arc isn't essentially about putting, pushing a male character forward? Susie and uh, Victor's mom and Thomas's grandmother all are kind of like, they're, they're not important. Uh, they're kind of just there to move along the relationship of Thomas and Victor or to move along Thomas and Victor's uh, character arcs. So doesn't pass. Then you have the DuVernay test. Do you have people who are black, indigenous, or other people of color in the film? Um, are they doing more than pushing a white person's narrative? It happens. Like, every character arc in this movie is uh, written for an indigenous person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it passes. Sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with a sexy lamp from a Christmas story? Does it matter to the plot? 
Um, you could replace uh, the mother and the grandmother. I think Susie is important enough uh, to Victor that you couldn't replace her, but you could replace the mom uh, and Thomas's grandma. Yeah. So, um, Vito Russo test. Do you have people in this film who are um, on the gender, sexual, or romantic minority? Um, and no, you don't. So it's fail. And then, uh, Kez test. Do you have someone who is neurodivergent or perhaps isn't able-bodied in this film? Are they more than just a disability? Uh, no. No. You don't have that either. So, so it does pass two. It's not bad. Um, now do I think this film is feminist? Mm. It's definitely not about women. No. (laughs) Like... The thing that I did appreciate um, about this film, though, um, the fact that, like, Susie wasn't a love interest character... Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't there to be a love interest at all, which, good. Like, that that was the, I, yeah. I was thinking that was what was going to happen, and I was pleasantly surprised that that was not the case at all. It was just, like, a moment where, like, she told another side of the story. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Like, I like, ro- I love romance. Ashley knows this. But also, you don't need to put romance in every single movie you do. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would almost consider this a coming-of-age movie. It's very similar in structure to a coming-of-age film, except for the fact that they're already of age. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it does have, like, the same structure as, like, a Stand By Me or, um, or uh, like, a Edge of Seventeen, where something cataclysmic happens or not even really cataclysmic but something of importance happens and it moves the characters towards rediscovering themselves yeah so i i very similar to a coming of age story um now i i'm not going to say this movie is feminist in the sense that it's you know about women and women's rights i will say that there is an intersectionality to it because indigenous people are the ones telling their own story which does not happen at all ever it's very rare so it's really it's very rare especially when it comes to to see when it comes to cinema it's so rare um like the even unless it's the traumatic yeah (laughs) yeah like white people love watching movies about uh the trauma of people of color while doing absolutely nothing about it to fix it yep sorry too real (sighs) live with it um <laughs> so yeah. Uh now do I think this movie is good? I think it's okay. It's not my favorite film that we've ever watched. Um it's it's good for at least a one-time watch. Um I think Ashleen liked it more than I did. I didn't pre- I found some of the acting kind of jaunty. Like it was obvious a lot of people in this movie had no prior experience uh being actors. Some of it's a little off, you know. Yeah. Um so so I will say that. Like, but it's it's worth a watch at least once, you know, just 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 for the sake of saying that you did watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's uh, it's one of those movies that um, I know I I personally liked the movie. Um, it, it it did definitely have some things that were absolutely problematic, um, but I also feel like they were trying to reach a wider audience um, for the time period because uh, and and. This was something kind of like what they 
they did like okay so this was distributed by miramax which yikes oof Oof. um but that was kind of the sort of like movies that they like miramax tried to like put out were like these coming of age or like you know kooky comedies or whatever right almost in the same vein of like um like kevin smith movies Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a very nineties movie. Yeah, too. holy yeah. shit, very nineties. Like, uh, if you've watched enough nineties movies, you know what I mean. Like, I'm not gonna go beyond. It's definitely a nineties movie. You guys get it. Yeah. Um. Mm, so yeah, I I think uh, we've wrapped this up. Now next week we are going to be doing uh, one of my personal favorite films. Whale Rider, which is about a young uh, Maori girl uh, who's the daughter daughter of a chieftain, and it's been a long time since I watched it, but it's it's probably one of my favorite coming of age movies. So it's gonna be fun to to watch that. Ashleen's never seen it, and so I I can't wait for to, her to watch be it. fair. <laughs> I have not watched a lot of movies. It's, it's Most true. movies out there, I have not like the, any one that you're like, oh, you gotta see this movie before you die. I have definitely not watched it. Well, to be fair, of all the films we were doing this month, Whale Rider's the only one I've seen. Mm, so, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so there is that, and it doesn't happen often. Oh my god! Like as a side note, um, my boyfriend was talking about that uh, Bruce Willis movie. Um, what was it called? uh, Apocalypse I can't remember But yeah he got really mad Because he had actually seen that one and I hadn't Yeah And he's like wow you the film podcaster Have never seen This movie (laughs) Uh, That's funny Um So yeah uh, that's it Uh, You can check us out on Twitch At twitch.tv slash feminist critique Where we at least three times a week. Uh, do politics, do chill streams, have a good old time. You should definitely come and check us out. I am on Twitter uh, at South of Grace, and the podcast Twitter is at Feminist Pod. I'm also on Twitter as Ajlene's A I S L E N E S. We do Twitch stuff. Check out our Twitch. That's what we're plugging most yeah. of the time. Yeah, and uh, on Twitch, we're plugging our podcast. Yep. So. <laughs> All right. Anyways, we'll see you. We will see you guys next week.